0: Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Awesome. Good to be here this morning. I just believe the Holy Spirit is definitely moving this morning. He's speaking to us in a fresh way. And I just sense God wants to do some special things in our hearts if we're open to hearing from him, to hearing his voice this morning. I wanted to continue this morning. Last week I started talking about divine delays, and I had some more things that I wanted to share, so I'm gonna bring those today, because I think there's some important things to follow up with that. Have any of you ever been in a situation in your life where you've had a delay? Yeah. Like two of you. Three? Okay, a few. I think we've all had delays. And some of those delays we get upset, About them and and then later on we find out that it was a good delay so for us that's why I tell us divine delays because God divinely works in our situations and he's always there he's always with us in those situations so when we look back we recognize that he was in there and as I was talking about last week in the middle of the storm or in the middle of our delay that's where a lot of things can be triggered in our life. We have the fear, the worry, the frustration. All of those things kind of come out in the middle of our delay, the questioning, even heartache at times. But I also mentioned that in the middle of our delay is the opportunity for a great miracle. And so that's we have to look at, God, what are you really trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do in my life? And so... As we were singing this morning, and two of the songs really stood out to me as we were singing in regards to the message this morning, one of them, the the word said, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. When I sang that, I I sang it a little bit louder, so I think, Lord, yes, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, even though I don't feel like singing. Uh, But I'm going to sing, because there's something you're doing in the midst of the storm. And then there's other times where we have this whole question about... Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, right? We think, man, these this stuff should have calmed down. This stuff should have happened. This thing should have come together by now, and it hasn't. And so we continue to kind of walk around this waiting and wondering, but are we getting in that place that Jeff just referred to, that silent place of saying, Lord, you're doing something, and I don't know that I fully understand it, but I want to hear from you. I don't want to... What I want to talk about in, in a little bit, I don't want to jump what you're trying to do and get in the way of it. Right. You know, there's things in our life, there's bad things that happen, there's evil out there and we know that, we understand that. But I gonna tell you, the cross is God's answer to that evil. Yeah. Yeah. What happened at the cross, see, because the question we may have is, why doesn't God do something about all the evil that's going on? He did. He did it at the cross. He did it by sending his son. He went and got the keys of death and hell, and he took care of the evil. Now, here's the thing that I need to make sure that I I state this morning, is that the evil that we see now, that we live in, that'll probably still be there, because he didn't go to the cross to necessarily take care of the evil that we experience or the bad that we experience right now. He came to make sure that we had a guarantee to have an evil-free eternity. And so there's an eternity that is much greater than what we have right now. So we are living in the here and now, which is just a small part of our life, because eternity is beyond belief. I mean, we can't imagine. And so we're here just for a short time on earth. These are things. He, He guaranteed us to be free from that. That comes if... And this is the simplicity of it for all of us that have accepted Christ or maybe here today and you haven't, but the simplicity is that we believe in Jesus, we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, right? And we believe that his blood washed our sins, so those are things that are scripture and they're not on the PowerPoint this morning, but I wanted to look at something really quick and right before we do that, I want to pray, because I believe that Holy Spirit wants to do something this morning and just to solidify some things for us. Lord, I pray right now as we move forward in your word and we talk about some of these things, God, that you would even grab a hold of even one thing this morning and you would plant it as a seed in our hearts, God, that, that you would water that. You would, we would see that grow. We'd see it flourish, Lord, to see our lives uh, go to the next level, God, that in you that we would become stronger and our roots would go deeper, God, and we would see the incredible things you have for us because of our obedience to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Romans, you know, I was thinking, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was stirring in, this, in me and, and I was thinking, when was the last time that I read some scriptures uh, out of Romans and some scriptures at First John and in regards to what the simplicity of salvation, what that means to us? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, put this in here this morning. But Romans 3:23 through 26, for everyone has sinned. Okay, that helps, right? We've all sinned. So get that out on the table. Everyone has sinned. We are all fall short of God's glorious standard. Okay. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Get this part. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Okay? We understand that. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Okay, there's some simple things we're talking about here. We believe Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross, okay? Okay, that's number one. We simply believe in Jesus, okay? So those two things, so far, we're picking that up in the Word. Okay, that's not too difficult to believe those things, all right? How about Romans 10:9? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Okay? So there's a confession that Jesus is Lord. So these are just things. We believe in Jesus. We believe he died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. And we confess that he is Lord. Okay? So if you haven't done that today, that's for you. That's for you this morning. The simplicity of the good news of Jesus Christ that he has come and expressed. He loves us so much. What he did at the cross was secured... Your eternity, but that only happens when we do these things. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm a sinner. I confess. I confess you are Lord. Cleanse my sins in 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess with our mouth, right? There's a confession that happens. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness or all unrighteousness. These are things that if we look at this and go, wow, that's what I need. That's what I need this morning. I just believe that there's somebody here today, you needed to hear that today. You needed to realize that God loves you so much that he had a word for you this morning. So I felt like bringing that in again, it's so important that we make sure that that is clarified and spoken when we come together and meet as a body when people come into the house of God, that they know that that we come in here with all of our mess. But he says, give me your mess. Just simply believe in me. Yeah. Believe that I shed my blood for you. Right. And so yeah. we're here today in doing that. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you after the service. So at some point come, and I just want to pray for you and just seal this over your life in that regard. Now, here's the thing. God merely didn't just sympathize with us in all the things we're going through in our sufferings, but he inserted himself into history. In the form. He came as Jesus. He inserted himself, came, and whatever Jesus suffered suffered on the cross, God suffered that. Yes. So he experienced the suffering. We suffer today, but he's not just sympathizing like, oh, well, eh, they're going to have to go through it. Well, he went through it. Yes. He knows. Yes. So God ordained and allowed Jesus' temporary suffering so that it would prevent our eternal suffering. Yes. Yes. So that's what we have to look at. What he suffered on that day prevents us from having to suffer eternity. You know, I was thinking about Good Friday. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Why do they call it Good Friday? When in retrospect, when you look at it, you can see why they call it Good Friday. But if you were going through that Friday and you were Jesus, is there anything good about that you would think, this is good thing for me to get nailed to a cross, thrown on my head, mocked and put up and die in front of people, you wouldn't call that Good Friday. But in retrospect, we call it Good Friday because of What happened after, see, he had to go through something in order for us to be free of something. So we look back and we go, man, that was a good day for me. God looks back and said, that's a good day. Now, Jesus probably didn't like that little part of, you know, I mean, none of us would have liked that part if that was us in that situation. Although the bad that we see it was temporary in our delays, the good is eternal. We have to see it that way. The good is eternal. It's eternal. The bad's temporary. The good is eternal. So whatever you're going through, you're in your middle right now. It's temporary. It's temporary. Be looking at your eternal. What does your eternal look like? Next week may not look good. The week after, the month that may not. But one thing you're guaranteed is, when we say yes to Jesus, is eternity is good. And it's something that we live out. So temporary delays... They seem bad, but whenever we allow God to work in us, the outcome is much greater when we allow him in and allow him to help us. Amen? If somebody had delivered Jesus from his sufferings, then he couldn't have delivered us from ours. So we're thankful that he went through with it. And he didn't allow something to happen to come along to escape the middle of whatever those sufferings were. He said, nope, I got to go through this. I got to walk this completely out. And we're thankful that he did. Amen. Amen. You know, we often have good intentions when people go through challenges in their life and how many of us, sometimes we come along and we try to give answers to help, try to help them fix it. Right. I learned several years ago, being in marriage, I thought my role is to fix my wife's issues when she come to talk to me, (laughs) honey. And I would just like Hey, I've got it figured out. You just need to do this. I found out that is not right. <laughs> I probably tried it a few times, and I'm a little thick-headed, but I learn over time, she just wanted me to listen and really express my care and concern about whatever it was. She didn't want me to fix it. So sometimes we come alongside it, and I have good intentions to try to fix, help somebody. Well, you know, you just need to wait it out. Or here's the one well, you probably have sin in your life. You need to, you know, ask the Lord. You know, those are the things we like to help people out with, don't we? Because we, after all, we know all the, what the Bible says, and we're going to declare and help or whatever that is. But we can't be those people who come to try to fix everybody's middle or their situation. We need to allow God and the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us for those kinds of things. Just letting people know that you are with them and you care about them and you're praying with them and for them when they're in the middle of something is good enough in that regard. Don't try to fix it. So that's just a little thing this morning. So many of us, we're in our middle right now. You're in the middle of something. So you're going through this. And sometimes we spend a lot of time in that middle zone, and it's not all that fun. So often, the Holy Spirit and what he he wants to do and what he's expressing us to maybe do with each other is he will just come and he'll sit in the middle of our storm with us. And he's with us. Jeff alluded to earlier. He is actually resides in us. The Holy Spirit's in it with us. He's in it. He's not leaving us. He's not bailing on us. But he allows us to go through this because there's something much greater. There's a better side on the other side that he knows about that we don't. We're all different, right? How we process stuff, we're all different. We process things differently. Some people, they can't. Under any little tiny pressure, it's tough, and they they fold pretty fast. Other people, they can take a lot, but we can't judge based on that. We have to just say, Holy Spirit, you're working, and and we come alongside as the Holy Spirit comes alongside, and so we don't know, really don't know people that well, most people that well, to even know what they're really going through, so we just have to say, Lord, maybe he puts somebody on your heart. Just let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. I don't know what you're going through, but Lord's put you on my heart. And so we do that. Well, Jesus was considered very late in Lazarus' situation, right? There was a lot of frustration. Poor Lazarus, he had to die in that process. And there was frustration with his family. Like, Jesus, come on, dude. You are the miracle dude here. You're the miracle maker. Why aren't you showing up? Because he had a bigger picture in mind. They didn't know that Lazarus was going to come back to life because he was about that his father was going to be glorified in this process. So if if Lazarus would have, if Jesus said, yeah, you know, he'll be healed and and maybe he got better and all of a sudden, there really wouldn't have been much fanfare about that. Yeah, that would be cool. But the fact that he shows up and comes back from the dead, yeah, there's something there. There's a miracle there to be expressed and had. So we can miss our miracle if we short circuit whatever God's doing in our middle. Amen. And it's also okay to come to church to be really who you are, honestly, you don't have to fake things. We do. As Christians, we come to church, we put on this front, like we're all this and a bag of chips and everything's fine. Because you ask somebody, well, how are you doing? Well, you know. And I understand positive speak, you know, trying to speak positive. But if you're really going through something, if somebody asks you, I think it's okay to say, you know what? I don't necessarily want to go into details, but yeah, I'm having a tough day or I'm having a tough week. It's okay. We, we're family. We need to be that way. And I understand there's certain people you would feel more comfortable sharing that with. But don't put on something like, I'm blessed. Okay, it's good to say that. It's, I get that. But sometimes, let's just be real. Because we get that super spiritual sign and we walk into church and we just had a big fight with our wife on the way to church or the, you, know, you kicked the dog or whatever it is. And so it's okay to, to just come and be real who we are. We don't have to put on something that we're not. And so don't we don't have to put on a front. So just, it's okay. It doesn't mean we have to spill everything out, but there's, there's something to be said about being real. <laughs> Sympathy and empathy should be something that we all have going in our life so that we can sympathize or empathize with people. And I think that's a good thing. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A glad heart makes a happy face. That's good. So when we're glad, somebody walks in and they're smiling, You can generally tell if somebody's having a good day, they're happy. That's good. The Bible says that. But it also says a broken heart crushes the spirit. Somebody coming in here this morning could have had a broken heart, and their spirit is crushed. And we have to be careful that we just don't roll over them and just pretend like nothing's going on. And It's like, oh, come on, just buck up. It'll get better. You know, you need to read your Bible more, or you need to pray more. Come on, that's just a bunch of religious Christianese, or I don't know what that is, but it's not... Healthy. When we're trying to do that, we we need to come and undercurrent people and say, you know, what? I I really I don't understand everything, but just still, you know, I'm praying for you right now. God's put on you on know, my heart. I just I just want to see good things happen here. So that's good, you know, because most of our life is lived in the middle. It really yeah. is. Yeah. We have those mountaintop experiences. We have those really valley low times, but most of our life's kind of lived in that middle area. Yeah. And so I, I've always been cautious of. Christians who are the the ones that do this. What is it? The roller coaster Christians. And I get that cuz the more we learn about things as being a Christian, the more it should level out to where it's not as much. But I get it cuz it can happen where you can be emotionally up and down, but I believe the Holy Spirit comes to level that out for us. But we're living that in that middle. That's where most of us. And we have a hard time trusting God with the outcome. That's just the honest truth. I think of that a lot. It's like, man, God, I don't know. I saw you work last year, but can you do it again? I do. I have those thoughts, those questions. You know, sometimes we'll say, boy, if I only knew what the outcome would have been, I wouldn't have worried so much. You know, we say that because we worry. We get anxious. And then at the end, we see that. So here's the scripture. I mean, this is one of the best scriptures in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek him. His will, because so often we seek our own, in everything or all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Again, it's like Jeff was talking about get in your quiet time, get in that place of communing with the Lord, and let Him stop trying to fix it yourself. Yes, yes. We're not good fixers. Yes. We're just not. And that's why we need Him. And that's why He allows us to go through things so that we trust Him in those situations. Because if everything was good all the time, then we wouldn't need Him, would we? And so we need him. We desperately need him. And here's what I want to get to. I'm going to give you a couple of stories here. Because we need to be careful that we don't circumvent God's divine delay. We can circumvent that. And I want to give you a couple of stories here that these are great that they're in the Bible. And I was thinking about this. The fact that there are a couple of men that I'm going to refer to, Abraham or Abram at the time and Moses... These guys had to have their story written. Who wrote it? They were the ones that God spoke to directly. So a lot of this information, it didn't come from like some newscast somewhere that discovered. These guys had to let this information out, right? They're vulnerable. They're putting themselves out there. And they look, when we look back on it, sometimes we're like, whoa, what were they thinking? How did they make that stupid mistake? The reality is <laughs> we would have done probably something That's similar to the scary. same thing hindsight's always 2020, right? That's why it's, we have to be careful what we do and how we do it. And here's this thought, and I've had this for years, I've thought through this process, but there's a, a statement that I've said many times, but, which simply is don't birth an Ishmael. And we'll talk about that. Don't birth an Ishmael, because we can do that if we're not careful. We can jump in ahead of God. And so in Genesis chapter 15, I want to read a few verses in here and talk just a little bit about this. But this is where Abram goes into this challenge. So sometime later, it says, starting in verse 1, The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. That's good right there. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. So he's kind of whining a little bit. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. The Lord comes back to him and he says, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. So he's giving him a promise right here. He's fixing this thing. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up in the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Okay, man, he's given a pretty big promise here. And what is the next verse? And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as, a right, as righteous because of his faith. Yes. It's interesting because I want to come back to that. But we often stay in our tent of self-pity and frustration, and we stay in that tent and we don't come out. Because we're in the middle of whatever it is, and we have all the reasons to not come out of our tent. And we're frustrated with God. We're frustrated with people, circumstances, whatever it is. But Abram, what did he do? He got up out of his tent. Here's the thing. We have to get out of our tent and we have to look up. And that's that quiet place, really. Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying in all this? It may be silent, but at least he's getting you out of the tent to where you can listen. Because so many times we stay in the tent where we just keep hidden. It would have been great if Abram had completely trusted God in this whole thing it would have been great but or would it have been great for Abraham it would have but for us we get to learn a really good principle here by going back and looking really what happened in this story we miss a very valuable lesson if we don't have the story of Abram so here we go in chapter 16 start in the first verse now remember God promised him he said no You're going to have a son. It's going to be your heir. Now, well, let me read this and make a couple comments. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to, listen, Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Really? There's frustration. There's doubt, okay, that comes in. She wants to come and help. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Stupid Abraham, I don't say. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. So <laughs> Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. We just read chapter 15, the chapter before, God promised Abram a son. He promised him a son. It would only make sense that it would be with his wife, right? Because our common sense thinking, he's married, he has a wife, That's what we'd be thinking if God gave us a promise. Oh, that makes sense. It'll, you know, right? Not your wife's servant. That would would be, oh, dear, you know, I just need to let you know, I don't think it's you. I think it's Hagar. I think that's what God's really meaning. No, (laughs) that would make sense. But what happens is, and what we do is we end up short-circuiting God's plan for us. We think we need to help him in the midst of our middle. I got to help God. And this is kind of funny, you know, because we think this way. Oh, I'm too old. God, you don't realize I'm too old to have kids. You didn't yeah, think about that, yeah. did you, God? So because you didn't think about that, I need to help you here. God, you didn't think about that I didn't have the money for that. God, you didn't think, you didn't think about the, the fact that I'm this type of a person and nobody would probably want to marry me or whatever. God knows all that stuff. But we yeah. insert all of that stuff yes. in there. God doesn't need our help. And I so clearly remember back 12 years ago, 13 years ago, when God was really, the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me in regards to what he was asking from me coming in into this community and pastoring and so forth. And just remember so clearly what he was talking to me about, that he wanted me to become an influence to the influencers in our community. And I thought, how in the world, I don't know anybody of any influence in our community but the thing that came so clearly after that was, but I don't need your help. Because <laughs> you know what? Sometimes when God tells us something, we just figure it's our, respons- our job to go make it happen. Now, we have responsibilities, obviously, in doing things in, in that process. We can't just sit back in our easy chair and say, well, God promised me to be a millionaire, so I'm just going to wait till it happens. No, there's things we do. But we have to be careful that we're not jumping his plan or trying to force anything. So goes on in, in verse 4. So guess what? Abraham Abram has sexual relations with Hagar, and she becomes pregnant. Now here it gets messed up. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. <laughs> it's getting good. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant, and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show... Who's wrong you or me yeah. so here we have what God set up to be a really good thing now we've got two people fighting about it that has nothing to do with God's plan or purpose yeah. Abraham reply, Abraham replies look she's your servant so deal with her as you see fit hmm if I tell you there'd be a, any woman in here would love to take that and say all right I'm going to go fix this thing yeah, I'm going to fix that wagon that's broken down there so then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. When God gives a promise, Satan comes and he tries to plunder. He tries to destroy that promise. And look what happened here. God gave a clear promise to Abram. He said, no, it's not going to be your servant. It's, not gonna, it's going to be you. It's going to be your own flesh and blood. The heir's coming from you. Yeah. He promised that. Yes. But somehow... We go through this whole process, and the the Lord goes to visit Hagar and and begins to speak to her and say, hey, you know, you're going to have this child, and this child's going to have many offspring. And so just encourage, say, hey, you're going to name it Ishmael, which means God hears. God heard her cry. She was a hurting woman, too. So there's a lot of things that happen. God can take and fix brokenness because he's very good at that. There's a lot of broken parts we see right here with Abram, Sarai, and Hagar, and now Ishmael. That's a lot of broken parts. Still without a promise, yet really fulfilled what God's plan was. Uh, Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. 13 years later. So he's in the middle, 13 plus years, he's in his middle of this promise, whatever that that was given to him. He's just hanging out for 13 more years. And so in chapter 17, it says, when Abram was... 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Wow, it it took 13 years? Well, this was part of having to be in his middle. And so he comes and he said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. God comes to say, Yeah, Abram, you messed up, but my promise still stands. Come on, we need to get this word. Yeah, well, maybe we didn't do it right. Maybe we made a wrong decision in the process. But he's coming to us tells us, my promise still stands to you. Come on, you can get this right. We can do this again. We can make that happen. Don't live in the defeat of whatever happened, the, the missed call that you made to try to supersede God or circumvent his plan. It's okay. He's coming back. He comes back to Abram and said, come on, Abram, I guarantee this is going to happen for you. It yeah. still stands but you just need to do it my way. Yeah, that's right. You just need to do it my way. Come on, we, we need to be in that place. Thirteen years in his middle. What does he do? He falls face down on the ground. God says, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. No longer be Abram. Instead, I will call, you'll be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. Yeah. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you for generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possessions forever, and I will be their God. Now, <laughs> all those good things being said, and God continues to speak to Abraham. He says, regarding your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, it will be Sarah. I will bless her and give, her a, give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. <laughs> now, all of that, and Abraham now comes to this, way, he bows down on the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. <laughs> God, there's no way. There is no way. How could I become a father at the age of 100? He's doubting it. And the promise that God gave him, no wonder God had him wait another 13 years there's still some working out here how can sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old so abram said to god boy here it's a little bit thick scold. and we probably think that but you know what this is us he said may ishmael live under your special blessing because he still thinks it's ishmael he's coming back well god i know but god replies no he says it again Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants an Everlasting Covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. So there's something that God's still coming back. There's a promise. Yes. There's a promise. And it got messed up by some people in there. But God still came back and said, I, I'm still a man of my word. You just need to do it my way. My promise still stands. Does this help you to know that the man who was called the father of faith struggled with faith? Come on. Yes. Come on. You know, if you think, man, I'm just, I, I just, I'm not worth that. I'm not, for some reason, I just can't do this thing. I can't, I don't know. Here's the the father of faith. The man, the Bible talks about the man of faith, Abraham, and he was, but he struggled with it. Yeah. We struggle, don't we? But yeah. we need to realize that if we stay the course, stay in the middle, allow God to do what he needs to do, and trust him with this promise and do it his way, it's going to come out. It's going to work. Yes. Then the last one, and I'll finish up with this, just real quick, just in regards to Moses in Israel, because something interesting here. God was in the process of birthing something pretty incredible. Many important concepts, laws, blueprints, documents, Tablets, all these things. God was in the process of releasing to Israel an immense, an abundance of resources and help to help Israel. Yes. And Moses was going to go and, and get this stuff from God, go to the mountain and do this. And so he went up there, but the people of Israel, they didn't like the delay. They didn't like the delay. They were going to circumvent God's promises, all the things that God was going to do. So they were able to convince Aaron, hey, we're going to have you build this golden calf for us, and we're going to worship this because Moses, he's not coming back, and whatever it was, we've got a better plan. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have a better plan. Really? The thing is that the, there was deception all there, all the thing. The enemy just came into that thing, and they were able to convince him to do that. They took what God's best plan was and used their weak-minded short-sighted plan that really allowed evil to come in and don't, take over that. They, they just allowed all that to come in and circumvent an amazing promise and a plan that God was in the middle of doing with his servant Moses, but they wouldn't take the time to allow it to happen. So when the Lord instructed Moses in Exodus 24, he said, Come up here, bring along Aaron, Nahab, and Abihu, and 70 Israel elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the other people are allowed to climb the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him, and all the people answered with one voice. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We're all in, aren't we, early on? And still it, still it starts getting a little bit hard. It's easy to say, yeah, I love you, Lord. Oh, yeah, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. Oh, God, not, you never let me down. We, we can say that when things are going good, and we do that. But what do we do when it starts getting hard? Can we still say, come out of our tent and lift our eyes and say, Lord, speak to me. I worship you in the midst. I'm grateful in the midst of whatever this thing I'm going through. Israel couldn't do that. As Moses is up there, and he's spending a long time up there, but he needed to get everything downloaded from the Lord to do all of these things. And so Moses, Aaron, uh, Nadab, and Abihu, and, and the 70 elders, they climbed up the mountain. There they saw the God of Israel. And the Lord told Moses, come on up. I'm going to give you the tablets of stone, which I've inscribed. And all of these things he was going to do. And he told the elders, Moses told the elders, said, stay here and wait for us. Wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. (laughs) Well, they didn't turn out to be the best consulters there to be consulted. But Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered. And it says, all the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for 6 days. And on the 7th day the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. All in all he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. That really wasn't that long of a time to be in the middle, but Israel thought that was the worst most horrendous thing to be in that middle at that time. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back the mountain they gathered around Aaron. They said, "Come on, make some gods that can lead us because obviously the God of Moses, he's not leading us. He's not he's not speaking to. He's not helping us. We don't know what happened to to Moses. And he was the one that brought us here from Egypt. But we need you, Aaron. We need you to do this. So Aaron said, take gold rings, earrings, all that, your wives, your sons, daughters, all the gold. Bring it to me. And so they took all that stuff and brought it to Aaron. And he took it all, melted it down, and made this golden calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Wow, what deception. Here they are, the promise. God tells Moses, hey, (laughs) quick, go down the mountain. Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are gone crazy, and you need to get down there. So how quickly they turned away from the God who delivered them from Egypt to go to other gods, thinking there's another answer. There's something We need to help God here, because God isn't doing what he needs to do. And he told them, they've melted down a calf, and they bowed down to it and sacrificing to it. And the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. And this is where God back then, he says, leave me alone with them, Moses. I'm going to rip them apart. I'm going to shred them. And then Moses has to go into this pleading with the Lord, Lord, be a little merciful on them. And so we see that. But it's interesting in this whole thing, again, coming back to promises made, you get in the middle of that, you don't see it, how you think it should be, come out. We get in there, we mess it up, and we do what we think needs to be done And after a while, we're sitting there in in our tent, and we're we're wallowing in everything. And then the Lord comes and talks to us. And he said, hey, you've kind of messed up here. When you're ready to do it my way, let me know, because I've got a really good plan here. And there's these divine delays that happen for a reason in our life. So we look back, and we can see why it was Good Friday and not Bad Friday. But we're in the middle of that Friday. It's a Bad Friday. Right now, you might be in in your Bad Friday. But know that God has something good from that. And if if it doesn't happen the way you think it should, still trust God. And eternity is really what our focus is and what his focus is anyway. That's where all of the evil, everything is is gone. We're guaranteed that. So trust the Lord in your delay. Trust him. Remember, he has a promise. Don't let the enemy defeat you because you may have made a mistake in your delay, because God's going to come back and he said, hey, my promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. Don't birth an Ishmael. And, but if we do, understand God can still work through that and use that. and He'll even bless an Ishmael. Not to the degree maybe that he was looking for in an Isaac. But there's something that, see, God doesn't punish our Ishmaels per se. It wasn't Ishmael's fault in that sense. So God does care. He cares about everything that happens in our life. But when we do it his way, it comes out much better. So let's trust him this morning. Let's stand as we sing this song. Walking around these walls, thought by now they would fall. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast.